Thanks, praise them. Thanks, Dad, for choosing that song. It's such a great song. Lord, I need you. Isn't that so true for us? Right, church? Let's have another round of applause for all the graduates, college, and uh, the high school graduates. And before I begin, I just wanted to say uh, thank you to the church for letting me do uh, my internship here. Uh, these, I'm about halfway through now of a two-year internship, but I just, I've just really loved it. Uh, it's been stretching me, really been pushing me, not only in my faith, but also in just my experience in ministry. I'm working with the teens. I love working with the youth group. Uh, but at the same time, I'm going to the staff meetings. I'm shadowing the different pastors and just learning all different aspects of ministry. And I never want to take that for granted. I'm super thankful for the opportunity. Uh, so before we begin, I'd like to start with a word of prayer. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, I just I thank you so much for what you've done for us. I thank you so much for this song we just sang. The fact that we need you all the time. John 15 talks about that we can't, we're without you, we can literally do nothing. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Father, I thank you for everything that you've done for us. You died on the cross. You rose again for us. Lord, and I pray that as we d dive into your word this morning, that you can speak to us through your word. I thank you for your word. And uh, I pray that your word is evident in our lives as we go out throughout this week. Uh, and that we can apply this. And in your name we pray. So, I brought in uh, some old, some old worn-out shoes with me this morning, and I was going, I was going through our garage a couple of weekends ago, getting ready for our spring garage sale, and I came across this bag from uh, actually when I counseled at Word of Life Island last summer, and I was, I was, there's some shoes in there, some boots, some flip-flops, whatever. And I found, I found this specific pair. It's got, it's got a hole in it. It's got some paint. It's got, you know, I mowed the lawn in them. I, they're all muddy from last summer. And I remember buying them. And I was thinking to myself of the cycle of shoes. I remember buying them, and they were super nice. I mean, they're sweet. I, I remember walking in. I, they're from sometime in high school. And uh, I felt super good when they're brand new and whatever. And I was thinking of the cycle that shoes go through. From when we buy them, we wear them, and eventually we throw them out, as I, as I should do with these ones. And what do we do? I was thinking, what do we do when we buy a new pair of shoes? I mean, we take pretty good care of them, right? We take as good of care of them as we can uh, for, the first, for the first little bit. For the first few weeks and the first few months, uh, we take we take really good care of them. We don't we don't mow the uh, we don't mow the lawn with them. We don't go on a mud run like Pastor Dave or what you guys do. Right away, uh, we don't we don't go out and paint or whatever with them. But after after a few weeks or months, what happens? We start to compromise and eventually. We don't care as much about them. We, we, we compromise in what we do with them. We might decide to go on 
to go mow the lawn. We might not go on a mud run yet, but we would mow the lawn. I mean, with these ones, I told myself, oh, I'm not a bad painter and I won't get anything on it. And eventually got some paint on them, all right? And then eventually they all end up looking like these and we throw them out. Now, in, in kind of a spiritual sense, there are times when we can all end up looking like these shoes. And we find ourselves messing up. We find ourselves struggling with the same sin over and over and over again. And the thing is that none of us want to look like those old shoes. But the good news is that this morning, that our text will provide us with the insights that we need to live lives that are clean and holy. Now turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, and discover with me three ways that we, as believers, can continue to live as we pursue holiness. As believers, we need to understand the implications of our new lives in Christ. Now just like the shoe cycle, where we eventually care less and less about our shoes, the believers in Ephesus we're slowly adopting a similar view with their spiritual walks. Now, Paul explained the implications of the believer's new lives in Christ. And as we dive into this passage in Ephesians, we'll see how Paul addresses this issue with the Ephesians. Now, today, like I said, we're going to look at three ways that we as believers can continue to live as we pursue holiness. Now follow along, it'll be up on the screens, follow along as I read the passage, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But he says, that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and in holiness. Now, my first point is this morning, if you're taking notes, it's in the bulletin. A believer's new life in Christ involves putting off the old man. I'll say that again. A believer's new life in Christ involves putting off the old man. Now, in order to understand this idea a little better, let's back up to verse 17. Paul gives a command to the Ephesian believers to no longer walk as the Gentiles do, or unbelievers do, in the futility of their minds. Now that word futility, emptiness, uh, vain thinking, a lack of purpose, futility, then, then he goes on to describe more of how the unbelievers walk. He says no longer walk like them in the futility of their minds. I mean, this is, this is how they walk. He says they're darkened in their understanding. Their ignorance has caused them to be alienated from the life of God. They're insensitive to sin and given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. 
I mean, wow, he's given some pretty specific, pretty specific descriptions of how the unbelievers walk here. And then he clarifies why he gave that original command. He says, he said in verse 17, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. That's how they walk. And then verse 20, he says, but that is not how you've learned Christ. Or in other words, that's not how you've learned to live as a Christian. Our old man belongs to how we used to walk or how we used to live. Again, this is written to believers. The way we lived is corrupt because we lived according to our deceitful and selfish desires. And that's what the text is saying. Now, we just saw how Paul explained how the unbelievers walk and why he gave that command not to walk like them. And he describes this first idea of putting off the old man as the first of three, how they learned Christ. Now, it's important to note, I'll take a second to explain this, it's important to note that he doesn't give these three uh, reminders, if you will, as commands. Uh, put off Christ, renew, or put off your old man, excuse me, renew your mind, and put on your new selves created in Christ. He doesn't give those as commands, but he's reminding them of how they've learned to walk as a Christian. The command in this passage is to no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Why? Because that's not how they learned how to live as Christians. And so, by way of, uh, by will of, by, by way of illustrating this point, I thought, I was, one of the first things I thought of, uh, I loved, as growing up, I loved to uh, go out and catch, catch a bunch of critters and snakes and frogs and everything, and I, I had the opportunity to catch um, some snakes in the past, and I thought of a snake uh, molting out of its dead skin and shedding off its dead skin. Now, don't look at me like some sort of reptile expert. I'm not. I love to catch snakes and whatever, and I found some molts on the ground before. But what, is, what does a snake do when it sheds its molt? Well, it slithers on out and goes on scaring people or do, doing what snakes do. Right, But what is one key thing that a snake doesn't do after it sheds its mold? It doesn't go back to it. It doesn't come back to its dead skin. It literally sheds it off. It, it completely leaves it behind. Now, in a similar way, Paul is reminding his readers that the way they learned Christ was, first of all, to shed off or completely put off their old selves. We are to stop walking like unbelievers, darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, having hard hearts, given in sensuality, greedy for all kinds of impurity. Paul says here, he says, put off. He doesn't say set aside for later. Paul doesn't say put off what you want to. He says put it off. And so I get this image in my mind of a snake like shedding off its dead skin and going on, but he, he doesn't come back to it. Uh, I like, I appreciated what my study Bible said regarding this. It said, our old way of life before we believed in Christ is completely in the past. We need to leave it there. Our old way of life before we believed in Christ is completely in the past. We need to leave it there. We need to put off our old selves and never go back to them. Now, by way of application for this point, we need to think to ourselves, in what ways 
are we living like an unbeliever in our selfish desires? In what ways are you living like an unbeliever in your selfish desires? And also, the second thing we need to identify, what does it look like? What does it look like to put those things off? Now we need to think practically here. What does it look like to put off our selfish desires and put off our old man? The putting off of our old selves was done when we trusted Christ as Savior, for those of us as believers, but it's also a daily decision and conscious commitment. I've had the privilege of uh, giving this message in the past, and as I, was, as I was going over again, I'm just reminded constantly of the importance of this as a daily thing. This is a daily commitment for us as Christians. Now, here's the thing. As important as putting off our old selves is, it's not sufficient by itself. What's the next thing Paul says? He says we need to then renew our thinking. And my second point here this morning, a believer's new life in Christ involves renewing his thinking. A believer's new life in Christ involves renewing his thinking. In verse 23, Paul says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Now, Paul uses this idea of being renewed in the spirit of your mind to describe how it is a complete change of thought. And it is a complete change of thought to bring on the new man. Putting off the old man is important. It's very important, but it's not sufficient in and of itself. When I was uh, in second year, in the second year program at the Word of Life Bible Institute, I had the privilege of uh, learning under uh, Reverend Randy Patton, who was the former director of biblical counseling in Lafayette, Indiana. And uh, Word of Life brought him in as a guest lecturer for, uh, I'm pretty sure it was one week, maybe two weeks. And he taught uh, that time all about how really scripture uh, should impact our ways of biblical counseling. I mean, hence the name biblical counseling. And he, he spent, uh, I, I think it was a whole day on this passage and he, he talked about different verses and specifically this idea of renewing our mind. And I really appreciated what he said. I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, I wrote it down here. He says, in the New Testament, mind is synonymous with heart, soul, and spirit. And is to be viewed as the center of thought, understanding, belief, motives, and actions. Let me read that one more time. He said, in the New Testament... Mind is synonymous with heart, soul, and spirit, and is to be viewed as the center of thought, understanding, beliefs, motives, and actions. And so as we kind of look at this verse, we need to have that in, our back, in the back of our heads, that Paul says we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, but, I mean, that's talking about our minds, that's talking about uh, the connection it has with our heart. And so he goes on to explain the meaning of the word renewed. And he gives some uh, specific synonyms of it, and I really like them. It's, he said it's like to be rejuvenated or to be made youthful. Or another one he says is it's to be renovated. To renew our minds is like a renovation. Now using that idea, renovated, uh, that word, let's pretend we're going we're gonna to renovate your kitchen. Now, I haven't been in all your kitchens. I don't know. I'm sure my, many of them don't need to be renovated. Uh, but what, what do we need to do in order to accomplish this task? Uh, 
Well, obviously a lot of things, but let's say after we've decided what we want it to look like, let's say after we've decided uh, you know, what we, what we want to replace and put in and whatever, what do we have to do first? Well, we have to take, we have to take all the old stuff out, right? That's, that's the first thing. We have, to, we have to take everything out that we don't want in there anymore. But after we're done with that, what do we do? Do we just leave it empty? No, I mean, we don't leave it empty. We replace the old stuff. We replace it with new appliances. We put in a new fridge. We build a new island in the center. We replace the floor tiles. You know, we paint the kitchen cabinets, whatever. That's the idea of being renewed in our minds. You see, this idea of being renewed in our minds is not just stopping bad habits or stopping a certain way of thinking but it's replacing it. It's replacing them. Replacing them with new habits. Replacing a, a misguided worldview with a biblical worldview. Now notice I say biblical here. Without God's word, it is impossible to completely renew our minds as believers. Now write that down if you can. Without God's word, it is impossible to completely renew our minds as believers. And for those of you guys as graduates, I was sitting here thinking about this this morning. Without God's word, it is impossible for you to continue uh, to continue not just staying plugged in here at church, but continue to have your life going well. Without staying connected to God through his word, you have to be in this each and every day. It's so important. And for this and for this uh, point, it's so key. Now, in order for someone to be able to put on their new man after they've put, put off their old, they have to renew their minds. It's an important step here. Without the renewal of the mind, living like unbelievers is certain. Without renewing our minds, living like unbelievers is certain. Romans 12, 2, another familiar passage, tells us to be transformed in the renewing of our minds. This is, the same, this is the same concept in this passage, being transformed in the renewing of our minds and our thinking. And it's uh, interesting because it's, it's the same author here. <laughs> uh, so, again, how do we renew our minds as believers? We're thinking about this. Well, we have to stay in God's word on a daily basis, like I've mentioned. We replace the old habits with new good habits, reading God's word. Spending more time in prayer. I really appreciate uh, our church's focus on prayer this year. I know we have the 40 days of prayer coming up later this year. Not quite sure the dates on that, but we have it coming up. We're encouraging everyone to uh, stay faithful in prayer, not just for our church, uh, but also for uh, the leadership in our government, as uh, Pastor Tim mentioned earlier. It's so, it's so important. Uh, and that's, that's just an example of a new good habit to replace an old bad habit with. And it's important to think of specific habits or thoughts that need to be renewed. Now, I realize it's not, it's not always easy to think of subconscious thoughts. I mean, they're subconscious. But so my, my challenge and uh, my challenge for you guys this morning is to ask someone close to you. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's an accountability partner, a, a close friend. The idea is someone who's with you 
often, that knows you really well. Ask, ask them, what habits do they see that should be replaced? Now, I understand it's going to take some humility, for sure. What habits do they see that should be replaced? But that's what's cool about this is that they may have some great ideas for you on how to replace those thoughts, on how to replace those bad habits. They can walk with you. I mean, that's the idea of Christian community and fellowship in the church, right? We walk with each other in our struggles. We walk with each other in our struggles against sin and with each other in our, uh, as we renew our minds, as we put off the old man, as we put on the new man. And renewing our minds will naturally lead us to continually put on the new man. And this is my third point for this morning. A believer's new life in Christ involves putting on the new man. A believer's new life in Christ involves putting on the new man. Verse 24, it says, And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul comes here to the final product of the three. He comes to the new man. A reminder here, there is a reminder here that Paul doesn't use these these three steps as commands, but as facts that the believers have already been taught, like I mentioned earlier. That's, it's important to keep in mind. The command was at, in verse 17 at the beginning. But the idea of putting on the new man has to do with being new creations in Christ, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 mentions as well. The new man is completely different than the unbelieving Gentiles Paul talked about at the beginning of the passage. Instead of living in the futility of their minds or, or emptiness of their minds, believers live with renewed and holy minds. Now, the rest of verse 24 describes the new self. It was created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Uh, the Bible Knowledge Commentary mentions the contrast that this truth of uh, putting on the new man created in true righteousness and holiness contrasts the ignorance of sinful living. Now, that was pretty interesting to, to see that contrast, that once we put on the new man, uh, it, it's, there's a stark contrast to the old man and the way of walking like the Gentiles walk. Now, the Greek word for put on here is enduo. It's, a, it's up on the screen there. Now, this is significant because Paul uses it a little, a little later on in this passage, Ephesians 6.11. What does he say there? He says, put on the whole armor of God, enduo. He says we are to enduo the, the new man and enduo the whole armor of God. Pastor Dave mentioned that last week. Now, it brings with it the idea of putting on new clean clothes or, or getting dressed we put on new clean clothes in the morning after we shower. We don't go back to the old clothes we took off. Why? Because we just got out of the shower. We're all clean. In the same way, we are to enduo the new man. We are to put on the new man. In, in order to be able to put on our new selves, we must put off our old selves and renew our thinking first. Putting on our new man does involve the work of regeneration. And for those of us as believers, that's being born again trusting Christ as our Savior, and that, that's not by our own doing. But it also involves actively living by the Spirit and by Christ's desires. 
The concept of putting on our new, new selves is pursuing the desires of Christ rather than pursuing our selfish and deceitful desires. Selfish and deceitful desires describe the old man. Galatians 5.16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do we walk by the Spirit? Now, practically speaking, we've got to ask ourselves, what does pursuing the desires of Christ look like? It looks like serving others. It looks like loving the outcasts. It looks like living completely contrary to the world, completely contrary to the world. We don't need anyone to tell us uh, how lost the culture is. Why? Because it, they, don't, they don't have the Bible. They don't, they don't have God. They're, they're the old, uh, they are walking like the Gentiles. They're walking like unbelievers. As Christians, the Holy Spirit is always with us. And that's encouraging. It's, he is always with us. And to walk by the Spirit, it, it looks like we need to live by His leading instead of quenching His voice. We need to live by the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives instead of quenching His voice. Now, as we put on Christ, the old way of living, it eventually won't even appeal to us. And that's the encouraging thing for us as believers. As we put on Christ, the old way of living won't even appeal to us. So again, putting off the old man involves literally shedding it off, like a snake who's shedding off its dead skin, who's molting its dead skin. Renewing our minds is like replacing the kitchen furniture. It's like renovating, renovating your kitchen. It's renovating our minds, not just, not just taking stuff out, but replacing it. And the idea of putting on the new man is similar to putting on new clean clothes. It's that word in duo. We are to endure the new man like we are to put on the whole armor of God. A believer's new life in Christ involves putting off the old man. A believer's new life in Christ involves renewing his thinking. And finally, a believer's new life in Christ involves putting on the new man. Friends, we need to daily put off our selfish desires. Now, this is often a, this is a conscious thought process at first. It's not natural for our flesh. It's, it's really not natural for our flesh. We need to think ahead of when we are tempted to sin, and we need to put boundaries up. We need to think on those situations in the past when we've been tempted, when we have sinned, maybe we have messed up. And we need to look again to the future and say, when am I going to be in that situation again? And we need to put boundaries up. Maybe it's, maybe it's a matter of literally running from temptation. Maybe it's a matter of literally running from our selfish desires. Second, we need to replace our, ways, our old ways of thinking with holy habits. You know, if I'm putting off the selfish desire of being envious of what others have, for example, I need to replace that habit with a holy habit of looking to God first and what he's blessed me with. But the only way I can accomplish this is through God's word. The only way we can completely renew our minds is through being in scripture, memorizing it, 
reading it every day in, in a quiet time or morning devotional. And not just, not just reading it at that time, but meditating on it throughout the day. Meditating on it. Thinking when we're at work, when we're at school, different times, how does what I studied this morning in quiet time apply to this right now? Am I, am I really thinking about Scripture constantly throughout the day? Or am I, am I just putting it off, or am I just putting off the old man and letting it creep back on? And third, we need to consciously put on Christ in our lives. We need to live holy for a holy God. God calls us to live holy because he is holy. Not living for ourselves, not living for ourselves, but reflecting Christ's desires and living by the Spirit. Now, I realize uh, that as Christians, we have the ability to do these things because of what Christ has accomplished for us. Amen? They aren't just implications of our new lives in Christ that can't really be accomplished. We can directly implement these into our lives. It is only because of Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection that we can put off the old man. We can renew our minds and we can put on the new man. Now, I also realize that not everyone in here may be a believer here this morning. And some of you may even be asking yourselves, what is, what's this term believer he's using? Like, what, what is he talking about? What is this new life he's talking about? Well, the Bible says that the new life in Christ can only be obtained through believing in what Jesus Christ did for us. He died on the cross and rose again. What does that mean? Like, okay, what's the significance of that? Well, in order to make... He, he did that in order to restore a relationship with God for us. Our sin separates us from a perfect and holy God. And the Bible tells us that because of it, we deserve eternal separation in a very real place called hell. However, Jesus took our punishment on the cross when he died. That's why he died on the cross. He died in our place. The Bible says that our sin separates us from God, and because of it, we deserve eternal separation from him and eternal death. But Jesus died in our place. And when he rose from the dead three days later, it proved that he is God and that he is more powerful than sin and death. And the good news is that if we believe in what Jesus did for us and completely trust in him alone, to save us from eternal death, we can have the new life I was talking about this morning. Now, we can't earn our way to heaven, though. We can't ever be good enough. We can't, even if we, we made every Sunday service, every, every Sunday in our whole life, and we never missed one, that's not going to make us good enough to get to heaven. The truth is that if you haven't made if you haven't come to a point in your life when you haven't trusted, when you have trusted Christ alone to save you, you're going to spend eternal, and you're going to spend eternal death in, in hell, an eternal separation from God. Now, friend, if you've never made that decision before, I want to encourage you to please make today that day. Make that decision today. 
I, we don't know what the rest of the day brings. We don't even know how much longer we're going to be here. For real. Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed, please? For those of us as Christians, I want to challenge you to review the points in the passage we read today. We just read through a passage. We took maybe 40 minutes or so out of our morning to read God's word. I want to challenge you to meditate it up. Meditate on it throughout the day. Be in God's word. Which area do you need to work on? Maybe, you just, maybe you're like me, and sometimes you just get caught up in trying to put off, put off, put off, but without actually renewing your mind with God's word and putting on the new man. Maybe you're trying to just put off, put off, but without actually replacing it with good habits. Maybe you don't have a consistent time each day where you're reading God's word. A morning devotion or a quiet time or something. I want to encourage you to make that a priority. And for those of you who are in here who have never made that decision to trust Christ alone as your Savior and accept that free offer of new life, please make that a priority this morning. In fact, I'll be, I'll be around afterward uh, and I would be more than happy to talk with you. And there will be uh, some people in the back of the auditorium who would love to talk with you and answer any questions that you may have regarding that. Please make that decision today. We don't know how much longer we have left. Father, I thank you so much, again, for this opportunity to dive into your word together. To explore in your word the truth that it brings to us. Lord, I thank you for giving us your word so that we can know uh, what you desire of us. I pray for us as we go out this week that we can live holy for you, Lord, because you are holy. I pray that we can uh, completely put off the old man, renew our mind, and put on the new man each and every day. Lord, and most of all, I thank you for what you've done for us. I thank you for dying on the cross and rising again for us. I pray that if there is anyone in here who has not made that decision, I pray that they would make that decision today. Father, again, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you so much for blessing us. In your name we pray.